Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Andy Staples. All three and Jim Harbaugh Watch 2024 continues. Yeah. There's another new development. Adam Schefter reported on Monday that Harbaugh was interviewing again with the Los Angeles Chargers. And the thought there is that that would be the job if if he's going to take one, that that's, that's going to be the job. He's also interviewed with the Falcons. Uh, Bill Belichick has interviewed twice with the Falcons, too. I've, I've heard he's pretty good NFL coach as well. So, uh, But we shall see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. The, the questions just keep coming. And, and this is going to take a while as... As you see, these NFL teams do not work like college teams when they are hiring head coaches. They take their time. They interview lots of people, like the Chargers are also interviewing general manager candidates. I would imagine that who the Chargers pick as the general manager will probably give us a clue as to who they'll pick as the coach or vice versa, depending on what order they want to go in. So we're going to find out more as the as the time goes on but remember there's still four teams playing in the NFL there's assistant coaches who who teams want to talk to so this is probably going to drag out a little bit longer but it is uh nerve-wracking i'm sure in Ann Arbor and and that column we were talking about with where i said look if you've looked at the last 10 days if jim harbaugh leaves how do you not just elevate Sharon more it was interesting getting the the feedback from that one on Monday. Uh, we had, had a few people say, well, no, 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 they should hire Jesse Mentor as the head coach. And I don't think Jesse Mentor would be sticking around. I, I think if Jim Harbaugh gets an NFL job, that Jesse Mentor is probably going to the NFL with him, the defensive coordinator. So there's a lot, you know, a lot, a lot at play here, but I think more gives you the, the best chance at continuity, which I think is what matters the most here. And, you know, when you think about how much Michigan brings back, especially on defense, you definitely want to keep as much as you can. Now, if, if Minter goes, maybe maybe some of those defensive guys go too. But again, if it's same general coaching staff, most of the same people, they might say, you know what, I'm comfortable here. And then the other, the other piece of it, and people threw this out there that I think is interesting, is let's say Jim Harbaugh were to take an NFL job here in the next week or two. It will be further into the semester than it was at, say, Alabama when Nick Saban retired. So would guys jump into the portal knowing that they can't necessarily transfer to another school for the spring semester so they wouldn't be able to do spring ball? Or would they wait and that would give them some time and maybe that would allow things to cool down? Uh, Tim in the chat, wasn't more sanctioned for illegal recruiting too? Yeah, he he had a one-game suspension. He was involved, uh, I guess, in the Cheeseburger Gate case, if we're calling it that. And Jim Harbaugh missed six games, and they won the national title, and they had Jim Harbaugh's back. So I'm guessing if they want to hire Sharon Moore, that what got him suspended for one game is not going to disqualify him from getting considered for the head coaching job. 
That uh, Now, I know there's a lot of agents out there that would love if it did because they would love to get their clients in the mix for the Michigan job and they would love to get their clients raises. But I, I think if we look at this with common sense, that Michigan being willing to go to the mattresses for Jim Harbaugh means they're probably okay with someone who was involved in the same case. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting next few weeks. And again, does the, the timing of this help Michigan, whereas the timing of Saban's resignation hurt Alabama? Because class had started at Alabama, but the, the final drop ad date hadn't happened yet. And they wanted, you know, the guys wanted to check things out. They had a chance to get into their new schools for spring practice, you know, for the spring semester in time for spring practice. Now there's there's some schools on the quarter system, so that maybe they're, they're a little bit different, but that piece of it is a very interesting one. Although you can still jump into the portal now. You don't have to decide where you're going. Or you can jump into the portal now, decide where you're going, and not go there until after this semester. Uh, Tim's not going to let this go in the chat. Illegal recruiting is okay now? Investigation is still open. Tim, you're, I, I think you, you must be new to college football. If you win, minor NCAA violations are fine. If you lose, they are terrible, and you should be fired for cause. That's how it works. If you win, they protect you. If you lose, they use it to fire you for free. Like, that is how it works. So, yeah, I, I, Tim apparently missed the whole season. He apparently missed Jim Harbaugh being suspended for six games this season and then, then winning the national title. It, it, it is truly amazing to me, these the, the pearl clutchers, when it comes to the NCAA stuff at this point. Like, really? Does, any, does anybody even care anymore? Like, some of this stuff is so dumb. And some of this stuff, like, we talked about this the other day. Alex Atkins, the Florida State offensive coordinator, he's going to be suspended for three games this year for something that the NCAA president is currently trying to get made okay with the rules. Like, the president of the NCAA is trying to say, it's okay, you can bring NIL in-house. But Alex Atkins has suspended three games for driving someone somewhere. Tim pointing out that Michigan suspended Sharon Moore, not the NCAA. Yes, they did, preemptively, to reduce whatever the NCAA would do later. So, yes, there may be more suspension coming. There may be more suspension coming if Jim Harbaugh stays. I don't know how to break this to you, Tim. They're okay with it. They're happy with the national championship. So, <sighs> by the way, the whole Michigan-Ohio State thing has people fired up. We're talking to Bobby Carpenter about the Buckeyes a little bit later in the show. And Ohio State loading up in the transfer portal has people feeling some kind of way. It is great because it makes people mad. We've got Campbell in the chat. They have no proven QB. Will Howard is terrible and the two talented freshmen never played it down in college football. Ohio State can't fool me. They will underachieve once again. Will Howard led a team to the Big 12 title in 2022. Give me a break. He's playing with more talent than he's ever played with before. Like, Deuce Vaughn's awesome. But you know who else is awesome? Trey Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins. Jeremiah Smith. Like, it is fun to see the Michigan and the Ohio State people going, going nuts here about this. It's, it's great. Because 
Ohio State is on the upswing, and, and and we'll talk about this with Bobby because you got to be careful with with both of these because you don't want you're trying not to win an off season championship. The idea is to win the championship, like Michigan just did. So I think that what is going on now, though, is Ohio State the way their roster has come together, and not so much what they've gotten out of the portal, but the guys that stayed, it's actually kind of similar to what happened in Michigan last year, where the Michigan guys stuck around because they'd made the playoffs two years in a row, but they hadn't won a game in the playoff yet. And they felt like it was a bit of unfinished business and that they could do more. And so you got like Trevor Keegan and Zach Zenter coming back and you got lots of really good players that are also experienced and old and you look at that roster that played in the national title game, it was a very deep veteran roster. So I think that probably is what I find most interesting about the rivalry going into 2024 is Michigan still got some really good players coming back, but they will be young or inexperienced in some key spots, whereas Ohio State will be pretty experienced almost everywhere. Now, some of them haven't played together yet, just like Michigan was very good at strategically grabbing out of the portal the last few years. But I think they're going to be the old team this year. And being the old team is pretty helpful. So uh, Ohio State's old now. Michigan's less old. Does that swing it back? Boy, Ryan Day certainly hopes so. Because, listen... If he doesn't win this time, it's bad. It's real bad. It is you. You are very much approaching John Cooper territory at that point, and you've got to, you've got to turn this around. Because, I'll, as someone who has no rooting interest in this thing, it was boring for me when Ohio State won every year, and now Michigan's flipped it. It will get boring to me if Michigan wins every year too. So I would like to see them both go back and forth in this thing. I think that would be fun. Ohio State seems to be loading up for that very possibility. But again, we don't know. Now, we got a gift from our friends at FanDuel on Monday. So you know how it works. You go to FanDuel.com slash Staples. You sign up. They give you $150 in guaranteed bonus bets when you place a $5 bet. Well, what could that bet be on? The 2024 Heisman Trophy odds because they just put some out and it's crazy because we don't have any idea who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. It is as wide open as I can remember it. And, you know, there have been a lot of years where somebody's come out of nowhere. And this feels like one of those years where someone could. But the favorites we know, but there's no favorite that we're supremely confident in. Like last year, you know, Caleb Williams was coming back. He just won. Now, if you know the history of the Heisman Trophy, you're probably not betting on a repeat winner because Archie Griffin's the only one. But Jaden Daniels had crept up. Now he wasn't he wasn't the the second or third this time last year, but by preseason he was. But this one's really interesting because you've got Texas QB Quinn Ewers at the top of the list and Carson Beck at Georgia. They're they're both plus seven fifty, which means you bet a hundred bucks to win seven hundred fifty bucks, and. Ewers 
we just saw him in the Sugar Bowl. Now, there's still questions about him with Arch Manning. What's going to happen with that job? I, Ewers is going to be the, the unquestioned starter, I think, going in. But if there's any sort of sign of struggle, Arch is there. So as, as Heisman favorites go, I don't know that that's where I'd go with that one. Carson Beck is going to be the quarterback on a really good team. He's going to be the quarterback on a team that wins probably 10 or 11 games. So that feels like a pretty safe one right there. Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel at Oregon is an interesting one because he was very good at Oklahoma in the past two years. Obviously, Jackson Arnold comes in. He's got more eligibility. He's the five-star recruit, the star of the first Brent Venables recruiting class. So they let Dylan Gabriel go. And now he goes to Oregon, where Bo Nix just showed you what you can do in this offense and left a lot of toys behind. So I think that's a really interesting one. But man, this thing goes so deep, so deep. Jackson Dart plus 1,800, the Ole Miss quarterback. That's going to be an interesting one. Will Howard transferred to Ohio State. He's plus 1,200. He's in the top five on this one. Now, I, I think, again, like we were talking about with Ohio State, defense going to be pretty good, not going to have to score a ton, and they might be better on the ground than through the air. So I don't know if, if, if you're going there. But, I mean, look, Cam Rising coming back to Utah, plus 5,000 as Cam Rising leads Utah into the Big 12. Jalen Daniels, plus 4,000, the Kansas quarterback, one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch in the entire country. Maybe what, like, here's a, here's a weird one. So Tyler Shook is plus 10,000. Oregon fans know who Tyler Shook is. Texas Tech fans know who he is. This is a guy who was a big-time quarterback recruit, went to Oregon, transferred to Texas Tech. He's never really been healthy for a whole season. Sort of like the Michael Penix Jr. thing. Well, he's at Louisville now. So he's with a, a, a guy in Jeff Brom who's very good with quarterbacks. And if he could just stay healthy for a season, could he be in the mix for something like this? It is. We got Dylan Rayola. If, if, if Nebraska fans, if, you, if you're that confident in your freshman, he's plus 10,000. We haven't seen him take a snap in college yet. It's amazing. But that that is... That list goes on and on and on. And like the West Virginia fans were, were asking me where Garrett Green was. I posted four screenshots. The list kept going. FanDuel is making sure that everybody is represented. You've got, you know, both guys who could win the USC job in Miller Moss and Jordan Maivea. You, you've got lots of options there. So check it out. Download that FanDuel app. Sign up, fanduel.com slash staples. They are going to give you some fun things to bet on, especially these Heisman Trophy odds early, early in 2024. Plus, you got that Gronk kick of destiny at the Super Bowl. That's fun. We're figuring out if Gronk's going to make or miss the key. He missed it last year. So you decide one way or the other. But lots coming up at FanDuel, especially in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the Super Bowl. So oh, I see the Michigan fans and the Ohio State fans are yelling at one another in the chat. It is fantastic. I'm enjoying it very much. Everybody's mad. People calling each other idiots. Ah, let's go. 
This is why I brought Bobby Carpenter on. That's why I wanted General Bob to help us talk Buckeyes because what Ohio State has done in the portal in the last week has gotten everybody in a tizzy. The Ohio State fans are excited. The Michigan fans are mad. The the other fans in, in, in the Big Ten... They, they don't believe it yet with Ohio State. They want to see it. The fans of, of the SEC teams who might compete for the national title, who might make the playoff, they want to see it. They need to see it from Ryan Day. But, man, it is getting everybody up in their feelings. So let us talk to General Bob Carpenter about the Buckeyes. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Joined now by former Ohio State Buckeye, host of the Morning Juice on the fan in Columbus, Ohio, host of the Bobby Carpenter Show. Bobby Carpenter, how are we doing? Uh, Mr. Staples doing pretty well, uh, you know, despite the fact it's a little cold outside. We got a little snow on the ground. I mean, it's almost the end of January. We got one month done, and that means we're a month closer to the start of spring ball. Exactly. And in Ohio State, it's going to be crazy. What The reason I wanted to have you on is we we were talking about the changes Ohio State had made, what they picked up in the transfer portal, and it made people so mad. And I was like, I got to talk to General Bob about this because I imagine in Columbus, the feeling has gone from, okay, what is going to happen now after the bowl game to, all right, this all might work. Yeah, I think there was a lot of concern after the bowl game. Obviously, as everybody watched it, offense looked, you know, woefully inept. Offensive line didn't look good. Defensively looked good for probably 50 minutes. Um, but there was just a concern, you know, with Ryan Day of he lost to Michigan three years in a row, didn't make the playoff this year. Uh, did last year year prior, played Georgia really tough. So I think there's some positives in there as well. But you know, I think everybody realized like this was going to be the year. And how is it going to change? Had a good recruiting class, but you know, freshman, is that really going to be the answer? And Ohio State, if you looked the last since the portal, whenever that started, Andy, a couple of years ago, they'll go get some specific needs, but they're not going to Deion Sanders this thing and try to bring in 30 guys. So could you find the right guys? And until Nick Saban had left, you know, they really hadn't made a lot of noise. They brought in Will Howard, so the quarterback situation looked fairly settled, but you're trying to find some game changers other places. And so now with the portal opening for 30 days due to Nick Saban's uh, retirement in Alabama, going down there and being able to bring in McLaughlin, their center, bringing in uh, Caleb Downs, which was a huge coup. And then, you know, even down the line, Julian saying like, that's, that's big, but that's not going to really have much of an impact on this year, but it got everybody kind of fired up again. Well, and, and McLaughlin's interesting. Cause like the Alabama fans are like, okay, that was the center who was having trouble snapping. But what people don't realize is, okay, if he can't get the snapping part under control, he can just play guard. Yeah. Like the dude can block. I think that was Ohio State. Everybody looked like, oh my gosh, that was the guy from the game. Like, first of all, he started like 20 some odd games for Alabama. So I don't know an offensive lineman who started for Nick Saban for two seasons who is not 
what you would define as a quality player on the interior of the offensive line. And then you said, is it a situation where, you know, maybe get the yips a little bit, maybe the change of scenery can help, or maybe like you said, you just slide over to guard and you're able to play there. Ohio state has one guard coming back. They've got some flexibility in there to be able to move him around. And so I think this will be a situation in the spring where it'll be exploratory and they'll try to figure out you know, what their best five up front is going to look like in McLaughlin, who knows where he could ultimately line up and whether that's center again or potentially guard. Well, I think that we'll have to find that out. And the Caleb Downs thing is, is, is really interesting because freshman all America. So he plugs right in, but it's what it allows Ohio state to do. And and you were talking on, on your show uh, with your co-host Anthony Schlegel about what it means for Sonny styles. Who's a safety who's like 230 pounds right now. And it's probably going to be linebacker size once he gets to the NFL. So this would allow him to potentially move to linebacker. Yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting, interesting test case. You know, his, his dad's a big guy. You know, obviously, you know, played played a long time and very successful. And you looked at Sonny, I remember seeing when he was a freshman in high school. And he's got his older brother, Lorenzo, who is more of a defensive body. But they were, uh, I believe, I think they're three, two or three years apart. I think Sonny was a freshman. Lorenzo was a senior. And they're from my area of Columbus. You know, we grew up playing them at Pickerington. My dad coached against them. I'll never forget watching Sonny. He's like, that's the freshman? Like, he's 180 pounds. He's six foot three. It's like, that's what I looked at as a sophomore. I was playing linebacker, not safety. And so you've watched this physical development of him. And when he got to Ohio State, I'm like, he's, he's 215 218 pounds, and it's just a function at, at 18 years old. And Andy, I tell everybody this, guys, when they're talking about positions and what they want to do, it, as you know, as you get older, it only gets harder to lose weight, yes. not easier. When yes. you're young, it's like gain, gain, gain. That's tough. When you're older, it's like, my goodness, like I ate a hamburger. Now I got to pay for this for the next two days. So I think it was the natural progression. Like Sonny's big. Like he has a body in a frame that's very similar to mine. Like he's just going to gain weight. He's probably a guy that's 240 to 245 pounds just by normal lifting and eating for him. And so bringing Caleb Downs in frees up that spot to where you can slide Sonny down. And now you don't feel like you're maybe chasing it a little bit on the back end. And by the way, you're getting a wholly terrific player in and of itself. Right who's going to go pair with a guy in Lathan Ransom, who's really smart, veteran in the defense, understands everything, great tackler, probably not the athletic prowess you're going to get with a Caleb Downs. You move Sonny up, that gives you that athletic prowess. Then at linebacker, I was telling you guys, like, when you move down a position, then you become the best athlete there. I go, it's, yeah. it's really a great situation. If you can handle the weight, whether it's linebacker to DN or whatever, safety to linebacker, and so now you have a dynamic playmaker there, and hopefully this will give him time throughout the spring to then ultimately learn that position and develop it as well. So, I mean, Ohio State, it, you, you mentioned that not made a whole lot of noise in the portal till to really till Will Howard. And, and then you get to Quinchon Judkins and then Caleb Downs and, and Julian Say. And, and it feels like they are taking that part very seriously now. And has anything changed on their end in terms of, of aggressiveness, or was it just that the, the right situations had to present themselves? I, I think there maybe is a little bit more uh, nature of being aggressive, Andy, with this, but I think a lot of it too is it's, it's the right situation. And they brought in David Sennigbenusen from Old Miss. He has the connections with Junkins. Obviously, you know, there's some movement on the staff. And, you know, when you bring guys in with a the portal, then there's also guys that may also want to leave. 
And yeah. maybe that was the case with Ole Miss. If you're, especially with NIL dollars, how they're allocated, people maybe don't feel like they got exactly what they wanted, or maybe they were, I don't know, not respected enough or whatever. So you have to be very careful and make sure. So bringing Juckins, obviously, with Travion Henderson, that was a key to make sure those guys were on board. Hey, you're not going to carry the ball probably 300 times. Are you guys good with each carrying 200? And honestly, I think that they, they were both ecstatic about that for their load management, not getting mm-hmm. beat up. And let's remember, Andy, this to win a national championship this year, you're talking 16, 17 games. Like this is going to yeah. be a long and arduous season. And so I think that they've been targeted. And then part of it is some of these things just, you know, they, they kind of manifest themselves. Nick Saban leaving obviously opened up a ton of talented players. And you, when you're second in the running, for Caleb Downs out of high school, you see what he can do. He's now a known quantity. You bring in Bill O'Brien, which probably allows you to maybe have that relationship with Julian Sayan. So I think that there was some of those things that just naturally happened and the fit kind of worked out and it was a way to get it done with maybe out upsetting or being like crazy aggressive or just trying to you know, throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. The, the Bill O'Brien thing is interesting to me because uh, – so. I know that that Ohio State played Missouri in the bowl game, and I remember there was a press conference, and Eli Drinkwitz got asked about a season in of giving up play calling, being more of a CEO, and he talked about how he thought it was a big reason why they were so good this year. And I wonder, you know, Ryan Day is sitting right there. Like, was he thinking about that? Like, oh, maybe, maybe this would work better for me because it, like, you're bringing in Bill O'Brien to run the offense. You're not bringing in him to just help the game plan. Yeah, I mean, he, he's probably going to be the majority of the play calling. And if you look now, Andy, in college football, the head coach, it's tough to call plays, whether it's offensively or defensively, because you have so much else on your plate with recruiting and NIL and making sure everything is humming at a high level. And so I think Ryan, like, he can still be involved with the development of quarterbacks, but he can hand that over to Bill O'Brien. And, and plus one of the other things Bill provides, I was a head coach at Penn State. He was a head coach with the Texans. He's been an assistant under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and some of the best programs with respect to their level that you're going to find. With the departure of Kevin Wilson a couple of years ago, I think Ryan, he was just a couple of years older than me, you lose that veteran sounding board. It's someone that like can push back. And Bill O'Brien, who sat in the chair at press conferences, because that, that's a big piece of it. Like, yeah, let's just do this. Well, you're not the one that has to answer the questions and has to justify all this. So Bill O'Brien brings not only the game calling aspect and game management on the offensive side, but also that veteran presence of being there, understanding what it's like to be the head coach and probably having the confidence to have some hard conversations and dialogue, which is what you want with your staff. You see Nick Saban, his coach is getting in fights all the time because, you know, if you have guys who are independent thinkers, you want them to push on you and that's the way things are going to get done. So I think Bill O'Brien really checked a lot of boxes for Ryan day. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very underrated how much Wilson brought to that staff and I mean just his history as an offensive coordinator and having been a head coach and then you now you get that with O'Brien but the other thing I, I keep thinking about with this team like as you got the announcements of this this player's coming back this player like JT Tui Malau you know uh the, those types of guys it feels like they are going to be the old the old team this year whereas Michigan was the old team in 2023 and I, it feels like that is really, really important in this day and age. I just, I'll tell you, take you a quote that uh, 
um, Chris Holtman, the basketball coach at Ohio State, told me, he's like, in college basketball, you want to get old and you want to stay old. And it's a yeah. little bit the same in college football. And when you can bring in some of these guys, when you can have your own guys return, which I think is really key because they understand the culture, they have the relationships, they understand how it works. You mentioned JT, you've got Jack Sawyer, you, know, you brought back Denzel Burke, um, you know, David Igmanusen is going to be there, Jordan Hancock, like a lot Lathan of Ransom. Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Lathan Ransom, like you have all these impactful guys who have played a lot of snaps. And then you can supplement that with really talented young players, a la Caleb Downs. You can have a Sonny Styles, like some of those guys. And now all of a sudden you have that mix of what you're ultimately looking for. And so that was a huge element to this. And this is college football. It's always about recruiting. It always has been, always will be. But there's now added layers where before it was just high school recruiting. Now it's high school recruiting. Recruit your own players. And then when guys get in the portal, figure out if there's guys in there you can recruit and try to supplement what you have. And so that was kind of a perfect storm this year, and things really worked out. And honestly, Andy, if, if you probably don't lose to Michigan and you, you make the playoff and you have some success, I doubt a lot of those guys come back. And so as we look at an era now where everyone's like, oh, it's this and that, and you saw it happen with Georgia, you've seen it happen with Bama, where I think there is some element of unfinished business, wanting to have that success and being able to kind of have a banner or something that you have hung yourself with your classmates. Oh, some of the Michigan people said if they hadn't lost to TCU the year before, you don't have that team that goes undefeated this past season. So you, I think you might be exactly right about that. So as someone who who is is in town doing shows every day, finger on the pulse here, what is the vibe difference in Columbus about Ohio State over the past two weeks? Oh, it's the uptick has been tremendous. And you don't ever want to, and you cautious yourself about like, hey, winning the offseason. Right. Player acquisition is a real part of it. And they're guys, especially like Caleb Downs, you were recruiting him in high school. You kind of knew what he was. You know, the Julian's saying, like, that's a that's a nice bonus for down the road. But I think everybody feels really good now about, you know, we're NIL that situation was with Columbus and then you know, the addition of the coaching staff, bringing in veterans, Bill O'Brien, like all of these things in concert. Andy, there's a, a positive momentum around this team that feels really good. And then you had the women just beat basketball team, beat Iowa with Taylor Clark. So it was a nice, it was like a really nice weekend. The boy yep. men's hoop team won. Like everybody was winning and you're getting great players. So it was a huge. Yeah. It's huge all the about Cause like at that basketball game, you got Aaron Nolan taking pictures and like, Hey, I ain't going anywhere either. So it's like they're getting guys, and and there's not even the usual strife of okay, what does that mean for for everybody else? Yeah, especially like Aaron Nolan and him. You know, obviously him and Julian are in the same class, but no one's expecting these guys to start. I mean, if one of yeah. them starts this year, either a they're phenomenal and they're going to be like a generational guy, which they could still be anyway, or b like Will Howard wasn't what you thought he was. And that's not a right. good thing. You don't, no one really wants to make a living with a true freshman starting quarterback, you know, even Trevor Lawrence. So that's like a decision that's coming down the line, not day one. So this, right. that'll push that out and they can be competitive, you know, for the backup role, working the season. But really, a year from now, next spring is where you'll see that competition manifest itself. So CJ Stroud joined the, the platinum donor group in uh for the foundation the nil collective uh did, did an email go out to all the former players after that it's like all right let's go boys get your checkbooks out you know i just saw that and these guys make a lot now and they have the ability to do that and i think <laughs> you know having your former players around having them contribute you know it used to be contributing to you know facilities needs and whatever and you know, i've been involved with that you know guys who i played with have been involved in that and yeah those are 
conversations and they have big fundraisers, Andy, and I go to those and, you know, contribute money in those, in those opportunities. But having CJ Stroud, a guy who is recently out, understand the gravity and importance of it. And you know, you've heard him talk. I mean, he's, he's obviously went through a lot of it in his life and, you know, the situation with his father. And so he, he leans in, in a pretty big way on this. And, you know, I think he wants to give back and wants to, you know, continue to be a part of the university, which you have a guy like that who's playing that well as a rookie. It's it's pretty impactful. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's another advertisement for the program too. So Bobby, thank you so much. Listen to Bobby on the fan and listen to the Bobby Carpenter show. Download it, subscribe. It is fantastic. Uh, your, your guy, Anthony Schlegel is, is amazing. <laughs> I uh, tell, tell him I was, uh, I was looking because I, I may be getting the difference. So Bobby's oh, yeah. co-host, Anthony Schlegel, former Ohio State and Jacksonville Jaguars strength coach, invented this incredible thing, which every football program in America uses now. But my son was was MacGyvering like a dummy in the backyard so he could do pass rush moves on it. And I'm like, I know a guy. I know go. a thing. Hey, the differenceusa.com. Go check it out. I mean, there's a, a bunch, almost... I don't know if every NFL team has one. A lot of the college teams, I mean, a, a ton of them have them, and they're great to develop hand hand placement technique, whether you're a lineman, linebacker, defensive yep. defensive back, receiver. Like, it, there's applications all over the place, and you can put it on a basketball hoop, or they've got rack attachments. There's a million different things they can get done. So it's a great design by my man Schlegs getting it done. Oh, yeah. Well, we we got to give him the plug. and. Yeah, his he he may be getting some business from me very soon. So we'll we'll I'll I'll keep you guys posted. Bobby, thank you so much. My pleasure, Andy. Thank you. That is the great Bobby Carpenter. You can also hear him on Sirius XM College Sports Radio. Uh, he and Jacob Hester, another friend of the show, uh, they do Meathead Radio on a lot of afternoons, and it is uh, spectacular. The show is officially named Off Campus, but. When, when Bobby and, and Hester get together, you have a linebacker and a fullback, and you can only imagine what the collision sounds like. So it's it's a fantastic listen. Another fantastic listen, our man Jesse Simonton. He had a great story at On3, which I highly recommend everybody reading. It's available, no paywall, just read it. He talked to a ton of college football coaches and personnel people and administrators about what do you do with this wacky college football calendar? Because all the different you know, rules changes plus court decisions plus basically every you know, state legislature is making decisions. Everything else has created this wild schedule where nothing makes much sense. And so instead of just giving the coaches a platform to complain about it, which they often do, uh, Jesse talked to some folks who have some pretty constructive ideas, and I, I thought it was a really interesting story. So we talked to Jesse about that. We talked to him about a column he wrote on LSU recently. And, yeah, we, we got back into those Heisman odds because they're absolutely fascinating. Here's Jesse. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We welcome on three national columnist Jesse Simon to a very interesting story at on three 
on Monday from the coaches convention. And it was interesting, Jesse, because you asked these people these questions and then several hours later, Nick Saban retired and it just sort of underscored everything they were talking about. Cause it, this is the coaches talking about the calendar. But what I, I liked about your story is instead of just a bunch of coaches complaining and saying, it's the end of the world. It was a lot of coaches with ideas about what you can do going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I think hopefully I was trying to paint a picture that obviously there's a lot of griping and, and, and ills within the sport of college football right now, within the, the current landscape, the, you know, the, the tsunami that is kind of the transfer portal with NIL, with this chaotic calendar. Um, so I just kind of proposed for over four days in Nashville, talking to all different managing, you know, managers of people, whether it was head coaches, personnel, staffers, uh, recruiting coordinators, what have you, you know, if, if you got to play college commissioner for a day, how would you fix it? What would you do? You know, present to me some tangible solutions. And I think within the piece, there was some interesting takeaways. Yeah. And now all of them seem to think eventually contracts are coming, which we happen to be talking on the same day that the National Labor Relations Board trial with the, the USC and the Pac-12 resumes. Like that may happen sooner rather than later, and it may not be the school's choices. That may be kind of they're, they're forced into it. But it also like. That's what I I don't know if people understand. Like the, the people in charge of the schools don't want the players to be employees. The coaches just want rules that they can get their arms around. And if the players have contracts and you say, okay, well, this guy signed for two years and this guy signed for one year, at least you know, and they can't just hold you hostage every single, you know, week, month, year. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Rhett Lashley, I had a bunch of a lot of the the, the comments and stuff were off the record um in in the piece but i did get several matt rule and some other guys gave me some really good stuff on the record and rhett lashley was one of the guys smu's head coach former g5 now he's going to be you know in the acc you know talked about that you know we're the only school and it's kind of similar to something lane kiffin has said but that the fact you know they're playing championship games and free agencies happening at the same time and then it really doesn't stop now with the multiple transfer opportunities and so we are barreling towards having these contracts, what that system looks like, whether it is true revenue sharing, whether the players are deemed actual employees. Like you said, the coaches don't really care, but I made a kind of a joking line in the piece that, you know, they're ready to give up a piece of the pie, i.e. some yeah. of their salary money, just for some actual off-season piece. You know, yeah. uh, we're talking two different pieces here, but the, the whole thing is, is that right now uh, it's just too chaotic in their frustrated they're exhausted and, and you brought up the nick saban point i had an sec staffer that literally the day before had noted that you know nick saban visited all his signees this year all all of alabama i think it was like 23 alabama signees in home this coach couldn't this guy's head coach could not do that because they were back at home trying to make make sure that their roster wasn't getting splintered when the transfer portal well, the irony is this guy then pointed out, well, Georgia might have actually benefited from not making the playoff this year because, look, they got to actually bring in some transfers where Alabama didn't. Imagine if that guy knew then what we know now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with, 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 with the way the whole situation's played out with the 30-day window and, and Alabama's roster, Washington's, Arizona's, on down the line just being ransacked. Well, so you, you had an idea from some of the coaches that they'd like to have one transfer – window kind of like the nfl free agency period 
and maybe do it in the spring. And I know that the answer to that would be, or the counter to that would be, well, but then the players can't do spring practice. I heard an interesting idea the other day, and this is not something that the, the, the coaches brought up. This has been brought up at, at some other levels about you could just change the idea of spring practice and have NFL style OTAs and mini camps that could be later after that transfer window, after you've assembled your roster for that season. Yeah. And again, if we're going to, Matt rule kind of said this, you know, if, we're, if we basically are a professional sport, but just not in name, you know, because we're not doing the things and IE the contracts, we're going down a line where we need to actually act like professionals doing OTAs and kind of eliminating uh, what has always been spring practice makes perfect sense. You and I were talking before we hopped on, uh, you know, I think some have suggested ultimately we may have a transfer portal combine down the road. That you know, a lot crazy. of these guys, you know, a lot of staff and, and head coaches are a little bit more reticent to say this because they're not getting into the weeds. But when you talk to the personnel directors and some of the assistant coaches and, and, and recruiting coordinators, you know, they, they'll, they'll fully admit half the time they don't know these guys. They don't know their parents. They don't know the background. They don't know if they have accurate height, weight, speed, what have you. Yeah, they might have some film. Um, you know, Charles Huff, Marshall's head coach, actually did, you know, say, you know, how much money have we wasted bringing in guys on official visits just in a snap in 24 hours, hoping that we get a kid and then we don't land him because he doesn't really know who Marshall is. You know, he's asking for X, Y, and Z. And we're like, Charles Huff's like, man, we're Marshall. We're not Alabama. Um, and, and so I do think there'd be, just be some greater transparency. Right now there's 22 kids, uh, 2,200 kids that have entered the portal. Half are uncommitted. Half. Yeah. So how many of these guys are just not going to get degrees? And, and you know, that's something that I think Dabo Sweeney and some other coaches have kind of been pretty public about. You know, what what is this generation of football players going to look like down the line um, in, in terms of where they are at, at 26, 27, 28? when they're moving so around so many times and, and the educational aspect is just kind of completely gone out the window. Well, it'll be interesting. And again, it's a lot of it. It's tied to this other stuff like the, the NLRB case and uh, the house case that's in the, in the federal court system, you know, those things all have to kind of shake out and then they can kind of figure out what the new system is. But I'm glad people are actually coming up with ideas now instead of just complaining. Yes. Yes, and and you know what in this in these models, Andy, frankly, yeah, this is kind of a, a you know up on the whiteboard. This is a no bad ideas deal because <laughs> absolutely, it, you know, th throw them out there and and kind of you know let's see what works because I do think kind of some of the current model and and a lot of coaches have said this that it's not sustainable that this Wild Wild West deal. Um, you know, several of them use some good colorful language, uh, <laughs> but that it's just, it's not sustainable. And it's, um, we, we have to, we, as the collective college football, you know, um, universe have to kind of figure out ways to make it equitable for everyone, for the player, for the coaches, for the schools. Um, and if that's the big boys branch off and kind of do their own thing, if that's, you know, we create this. Uh, various, whether you do want to, you know, sign a one-year contract or a two-year contract. Again, all these coaches are still for player movement. You could do that. And as yeah. these guys said, oh, if you they break your deal, movement, if, they, they don't want, they don't want to be stuck with somebody for four years either. 
Exactly. Exactly. And uh, if you do break your deal, you would pay back, you know, in some of these suggested models, proposed models, you would pay back whatever, um, you know, if you, if you broke, okay, I, I had a three-year contract after year one, I want to go to school Z instead of staying at school Y, you're going to pay back uh, the rest of that money that you got. So there's a lot of different proposals within the piece. Wait, a buyout? The coaches yes. should be very familiar with those. So exactly. That's, they definitely know how those work. All right, let, let, let us talk about some of the other stuff that's going on in the news, Jesse, because uh, we we got news from Adam what Schefter. Yeah, exactly. There is no offseason. Uh, we got news from Adam Schefter on Monday that, that Jim Harbaugh was was going for interview number two with the Chargers. He's also talked to the Falcons. Uh, I, I had a column saying, look, if if he goes, what we've seen in the last 10 days says you you got to promote Sharon more. Do you think... That's what Michigan would do if he goes. Do you think that that they might look outside? I, I, you are, you and I are in lockstep. I, I tweeted something very similar. Uh, I was on SEC Mike's show uh, late last week, and he kind of asked me, uh, or he he kind of posited this whole situation where he thought that Mich, you know, the domino effects of Michigan, mm-hmm. and then could LSU, uh, you know, um, unravel if if Michigan ends up going to Brian Kelly? And I said the fastest, the simplest solution for the Wolverines to maintain their roster and kind of continue that continuity is just what you wrote. And that's promote Sharon Moore. It's sitting right there. And if that hadn't been any more, you know, evident with what we've seen happen uh, in the ripple effects of, of Nick Saban, I don't know what is, I mean, Sharon Moore already proved, proved himself as a, as a solid, you know, candidate or, and or replacement late last season. I think he has as many top 10 wins as James Franklin does as his entire tenure at Penn state in one year. Uh, so I would promote the man. I, I would keep as much continuity as possible. You know, if Harbaugh leaves, you're probably going to lose Jesse Minner, you know, with him to the NFL. Uh, so I, I would absolutely green light Sharon Moore, Michigan's next head coach. Yeah, and, and we'll find out, I guess. It, it is so weird. I, I I find this fascinating. I've talked about this a bunch, bunch on this show, but I want to talk to somebody else who also covers college football about this. How weird is it watching the NFL hiring process? And comparing oh, it to the college football hiring process. Well, you know what's funny is that we've seen, and there's been different uh, opinions on why they do this. But you know, like the the Falcons or the Chargers tweeting out, we are we have interviewed X person again. We have interviewed Bill Belichick again. It's like, are they doing that for transparency's sake? Are they doing it kind of to throw their fans a bone to say, hey, we're chasing the big boys? I promise. You know, we may yeah. we may land uh, Ben Johnson from from the Lions or or uh, you know Raheem Morris, but I promise we 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 went after the big dogs. Um, but I think Har- I mean Harbaugh to the NFL has felt like the de- like the destined path since since before the season. It was one of my bold predictions. Still waiting on him. I did a whole revisited piece uh, late last <laughs> week. Uh, that's the only one that's still TBD. So I said I thought this would be his last season. We still don't know if that's the case, but it seems to be kind of trending that way. So uh, another piece you wrote recently that I found very interesting, uh, and we've we've all gotten into this business of of how do you fill the the void, you know, the vacuum left by Nick Saban. You know, I've I, we we had Justin Hokinson on the show talking about what Auburn does now. We had Zach Barry talking about what Ole Miss does now. You had an interesting thought of which program can jump in the quickest. And you said LSU. 
Yeah, you think I'm right or wrong on that? I I think there's a good chance. I, uh, but I also think now I said I said where I will, Texas I, is right now as a possibility. Oklahoma, Texas A&M, but LSU. When you look at what they've been able to do over the past twenty years, does seem like the most logical. Yes, and that's kind of where that's kind of how I arrived at. I think you could you could list any number. You could you could throw in as you you, you referenced Auburn and Ole Miss. I think Tennessee is in a similar situation. Obviously, Georgia is in its own field. I think they benefit the most from the vacuum that is. Uh, I just think Georgia's you know, at the, the top the, anyway. I think they were exactly, already there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so we're in agreement here. So my. My piece and the point was who could maybe uh, replace that number two or, or, or secondary top spot um, of Alabama. And I just think, look at what Brian Kelly's done this offseason. He, you know, he, he cleaned house, literally. He, he fired Matt House and his entire defensive staff. He brought in two guys in Baker and Corey Raymond that he basically deemed weren't quali- qualified to be on his year one, his inaugural staff, brought them back to LSU, was able to get Bo Davis from Texas, um and even though he doesn't have an offensive coordinator yet they have the number one quarterback in the country the number one player in the country in 2025 they have the number one recruiting class uh already it's early i know um but i mean i I think as you said what they've done in the last 20 years brian kelly went there to win championships he knows the expectation uh if this michigan stuff doesn't come to fruition or isn't even true then i think lsu is absolutely positioned um, to perhaps fill that vacuum. Their, their schedule next year, pretty favorable. Um, you know, they, they, don't, they, they don't play Texas, they don't play Georgia, and they get Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, and Ole Miss at home. You know, they got, a, they, got, they got a crazy game against USC in week one, but this isn't just about next season now. And that's the whole thing. Caleb right, Abor this is, this is, is having, over the next five years, ten years. Right, yeah. Kalen Abor is now having to play major catch-up on the recruit, he's three, four, five steps behind what Kirby, Hugh, uh, Sark are doing. What Brian Kelly, again, number one recruiting class, uh, it, you know, ha- has already assembled at LSU. And so there's an opportunity here for one or two programs in the SEC, I think, to really make a leap. Yeah, I don't think Brian Kelly's going anywhere, by the way. I, I, the, the Michigan stuff just confounded me. Like, where I don't, I don't even know where that's coming from. I don't know that Michigan would definitely promote Sharon more. They're, you know, they're, there's always a chance they could go outside of Harbaugh leaves, but I don't think Brian Kelly would leave LSU for Michigan at this point, even if it was open and they were looking outside. Like that wouldn't make sense to me. It's it would seem it would be very peculiar with what he's done, both from a staffing um, and roster, you know, uh, yeah. management. Uh, so I, I I agree that it would be be quite strange. Yeah, I thought that the, the all the smoke about that was a little weird when it came out. So uh, it seems to have died down somewhat. But we'll we'll see what happens if Harbaugh makes that decision. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Jesse, is we we got early Heisman odds already on Fanduel. Fanduel.com slash Staples. If you want to sign up, place one five dollar bet, get one hundred fifty dollars in guaranteed bets. But there, this is a long list. I put I put a tweet out where I had four screenshots. That wasn't all of them. Yeah. There's that's even a lot. more below that. It is a long list. Like they have covered their bases with like they've got like for USC, they've got Miller Moss and they've got Jordan Maiava, who just transferred from, from UNLV. But at the top, let's let's talk about at the top of this. Quinn Ewers plus 750, Carson Beck plus 750. Those are your, your front runners. 
Dylan Gabriel plus a thousand. Will Howard, your new Ohio State quarterback, plus twelve hundred. Jalen Milrow plus twelve hundred. So that's the that's the top of the list. I just I love this because it goes so deep. Yeah, like Ollie Gordon plus fifteen thousand, and I'm like, ooh, like ten bucks on Ollie Gordon. You have yourself a nice little Christmas bonus if he has a big year. Noah Fafita yeah. plus two thousand, huh? I I the one that jumps out to me if you're buying the hype. And, and I think this team is going to be the hype team of the offseason, or at least one of them. It's, it's probably Jackson Dart yes. at plus eighteen hundred. Um, I would I would bank on him if you're if you're looking at like who he's with. Like the fact that Nico has better odds than him is a little strange to me. Uh, but again, have they I, looked I at the, the receiving cores of those teams? Yeah, I mean, and look at look at what uh, I mean. Ole Miss's offense is going to be awesome. And Dart's also going to, you know, he's going to scoot a little bit, bit with his legs, and yeah. so he, you know, that that's who, who I don't, that's a little, that's a little rich for for Quinn, though, don't you think? Seven fifty. I know that I know they've got Bond and some of these other guys out of the portal, but I mean, he could lose right, his well, job. Right, let, me, let me throw this at you, Jesse. Right. While we're talking about this, let me talk. Let me throw this at you. More likely outcome. Quinn Ewers wins the Heisman or Arch Manning is, is Texas's starting quarterback by the end of the season. Yeah, that's why I just said. I mean, he could literally could lose his job. I yeah, I, I would I would pick the latter. Yeah, I I, it, I don't know that that's gonna happen, but it probably is more likely than him winning the Heisman. Right. Whereas Carson Beck is, you know, he is the the guy at Georgia. The yeah. you know, Mil Milrow is going to be the guy. Uh for Alabama, I think that's probably a little rich with with what Alabama is returning at receiver right now. So we'll see what what that roster looks like after the spring portal. Certainly, uh, Will Howard will be in position if they let him run a lot. But it may be the two running backs that kind of garner the most acclaim in Columbus with the identity shift that I think Ryan Day is kind of embracing this offseason. How about DJ Uyunglele and Kay Klubnik being right next to each other at twenty plus twenty five hundred and plus three thousand? And oh, by the way, they're now playing for ACC rivals. Like that—that that is, I—I want to go to somebody five years ago and just or, or even that. Okay, remember that night when DJ filled in for Trevor Lawrence when he had COVID at Notre Dame, and we were like, "This is the this is the next big thing. He's going to be amazing. He winds up a Dr Pepper commercial." Like DJ Uyengale and Kay Klubnik will have identical, almost identical Heisman odds. And they'll be playing for ACC rivals in 2024. Can you imagine? I, can, I mean, th there's guys on the, Will Rogers is plus five thousand. He doesn't even he doesn't have a team. He has better odds than Cam Rising, who's going to be on a top ten, top twelve Utah team. That's insane. <laughs> it's it, it is it is crazy. I, although I do love the Sunflower State quarterbacks on this list. Jalen Daniels at plus four thousand. Avery Johnson at plus 5,000. So Jalen Daniels needs, like, he needs to play 12 games. That's that's the the tricky part there is he's been hurt the, every year of his career and missed some games. Like, you, the, to win the Heisman, you got to be able to play almost all the games. Uh, Avery Johnson, as as we know, those of you who, who watch the show regularly, I'm all in on Avery Mania. All in. Kind of set, kind of, kind of speaks, uh, to maybe where some of these guys think they should be drafted or not um, with Cam Ward's Heisman odds, don't you think? 
The yeah. fact that he's way down there at plus two thousand, I, I guess that's why he probably needed to come back to school. Because if he if he was going to be a you know day one, day two NFL draft pick, I think those odds would probably be uh, a little shorter. But it, it's it, an interesting it's just, list. It's fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Now I I went back to last year because I was I was curious. I didn't realize. I think I had memory hold that Jaden Daniels made a huge push over the summer up those up those lists, like. He was second or third. He was one right of the behind favorites. Caleb Williams yeah. going into the season. And I remember, like, I, I don't remember noticing that or paying much attention to that as it was happening. But somebody knew. Somebody knew, and I, I have egg on my face because I wrote a piece that basically said, I, I think this is foolhardy. And, uh, you know, while, while I loved LSU's receivers and I wrote that I thought Neighbors was going to be one of the best in the country, I did not believe that Daniels would make the sort of leap that he did. And he was transcendent. I mean, he was a remarkable player. And that is what I will say will make, will make this Heisman race so fascinating, Andy, is unlike the last couple of years, we don't have a returning guy. There is mm-hmm. no Bryce Young. There is no Caleb. Uh, obviously, Daniels is, gonna, is going off to the NFL. So it is wide open. You have Beck yeah. and, and Ewers and some of these guys are going to be the favorites. But the reason FanDuel can list 50 guys is because we really have no idea. And every year there's going to be somebody, be it a, a Max Duggan two years ago, Stetson Bennett, that just comes out of nowhere to compete for this thing. Well, and I, I tweeted out, you know, four screenshots and the West Virginia fans are like, where's Garrett Green? I'm like, oh, no, he's on there. He's on there. Plus 20,000. I just, just ran keep out scrolling. of screenshots. <laughs> so. Just keep scrolling. That's right. So, yeah, it is it is basically, and, and I think this is one of those, if you just have a guy you really like, who you enjoy watching play, put like 50 bucks on it and forget about it. And then yeah, see what, just, like, like if he blows up, you're going to get that email or you're going to get that message on your in your app. It's like, hey, can we buy you out of this? Like, <laughs> so. Yeah, just, pick pick your four favorites, put 25 on each. Hey, ride it out and say, have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I, I think that's really the better way to do it than trying to guess who's going to blow up and be that guy. I think I agree with you on Jackson dart. Like if we are just trying to you know, logic this out, if he has a healthy juice wells and trace and Trey Harris is, is what we, you know, what he was this past year and priest corn is, is just as good as he was that uh, last year. And Oh, by the way, Ulysses S Bentley average, like, <laughs> Ulysses Bentley, the <laughs> Ulysses S. <laughs> I almost made Ulysses him a, a, a Civil War general. Yeah, exactly. Ulysses, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Excuse me. Uh, averaged what five point seven yards of carry last year. So, if if that offense is what we think it's going to be, I, the Jackson Dart thing makes a lot of logical sense. It is really hard to logic puzzle the rest out. Like I was very big on Carson Beck going into last season because people, you know, he was down the list. Now that he's a favorite, I don't know if there's much value there, but I do think there's a good chance he winds up in New York just because he, he's probably going to be the starting quarterback of the team that's going to be number one in the country for a while. Uh, the Will Howard thing's interesting to me just because now they just keep picking up picking up people around him, although with Ohio State, with all they brought back on defense and they get Caleb Downs, I don't, they, they might not need to score a whole bunch. Well, yeah, and you know what's going to be interesting about the Heisman race this year too, Andy, is that I don't think fans have, have probably really 
put into perspective what these gauntlet seasons are now going to look yeah, like the with the 12th team yeah. playoff. And so, you know, there's going to be more losses. There just is. I mean, we mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, LSU's playing this now crazy SEC schedule, plus they have USC and UCLA. Georgia's playing Clemson and a renewed Georgia Tech. Alabama's going to Wisconsin. More te- there's not, there's not going to be teams that are going 17 and 18 and 0. Uh, and so with that, Guys, we just saw a year ago, Jaden Daniels wasn't punished. The fact that his team lost three games, I think that's going to become more of the norm where if you're mm-hmm. putting up these insane statistical seasons, you maybe don't have to be Carson Beck on the number one team in the country. You can be on a team that maybe is a fringe playoff team, but you had some big moments and big games. Oh, and wow, this dude's got 50 touchdowns, you know. Right. Let, 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 let's give him the award. Whereas it's not his fault. He doesn't go. play defense and his defense stinks like that. Right. That's right. It, that's what everybody had to come to grips with last year. And and I got all those tweets. You can't give it to a guy whose team lost three games. I'm like, he doesn't play defense. What, what do you want from me? Yeah. And you know, there was lots of the, the whole, the whole pushback after Penix had the one nice and he did, he had a great, uh, you know, semifinal game. But that that like this the, the revisionist history that he should have won the award because he played really well against Texas was silly. Yeah, he he had well, he had some he had some stinkers during the regular yeah. season. And Jaden and that, Daniels that's was, what I told people. Good. I was like, okay, put Jaden Daniels on Washington and what's Washington's record? Put Michael Penix Jr. on LSU and what's LSU's record? And the answer is they both have the same records they would they they had. Probably yeah, because LSU was not going to learn to play defense. None, none of that would change that LSU couldn't play defense. So and that, and and Washington's offense might have been even scarier because Daniels exactly. also ran for a thousand yards. Yeah. So it's it is going to be a wide like everything else about this season. And and then we're gonna Jesse. I, I actually I'm gonna throw this out to you. How should we handle this in the in this offseason? Like on the show, I was thinking about this every few months, maybe have like a, a primer day where, where we remind everybody. Everything changes this year. I feel like the wide openness of the Heisman is even, you know, another piece of that. Like, hey, hey guys, the schedules are brutal in the Big Ten and the SEC now. Hey, guys, there's a 12-team play. Like, we got to keep reminding everybody of this because, like, it floats out of my mind sometimes, and I get thinking in, like, the traditional mindset. Oh, well, let's circle this back to the very reason we started this conversation. The anonymous coaches, you know, mm-hmm. griping about the calendar. The national championship next season, Andy, is on January twentieth. Two days from it just happened. Two days, it just happened. It just happened. And so, what in the world is the portal going to look like then? Again, I had somebody tell me, you know, basically the way the system is currently set up right now. The longer and deeper you go in the playoff next season the more your team's actually going to be punished, the roster is going to be punished for the following year because you're not going to be able to bring in transfers on visits, uh, you know, because of drop ad dates. And so I, I, I think that the primer deal every couple of months, you know, would be a great little offseason reset. What do the conferences look like? What do the yep. dates look like? What are the big games? Um, you know, what what is the – the current playoff system look like because that that's yeah. still kind of up for debate in the future. New college football 101. Get ready for it this offseason. But as you said, Jesse, there is no offseason. Not not anymore. We'll talk to you later. There is
is indeed no offseason. The news never stops. Right before the show started tonight, Arizona announced Dave Hickey, the athletic director, done. He's done. He just hired a football coach. Well, now that we know he's done, I don't know how much how much input he actually had into the Brent Brennan hire, but Brent Brennan is Arizona's new football coach. Uh, Dave Hickey leaving whoever gets the job next to Arizona has some financial difficulties to overcome that not of that person's doing, and they'll just have to figure it out. But that's happening. Uh, you've got transfer portal still going uh, further down in the transfer portal. So Sean Callahan from, from on three Husker online reported this today, uh, former Florida State and Nebraska quarterback Chubba Purdy, brother of Brock. Uh, So he was going to go to San Jose State, which is where Brent Brennan was, but he's now at Arizona. So Brent Brennan went to Arizona. Ken Niamatololo coming in at San Jose State. But now Chubba Purdy has decided he is going to transfer to Nevada, where he will play for Jeff Choate, former Texas assistant. Everybody got all that? Yeah. It never stops. That's okay. That's what makes it fun. And trust me, there'll be fresh stuff to talk about tomorrow. So we'll talk to you then.